0: I'm Mark Peterson, and this is the FEMA Podcast. Disasters can be frightening, confusing, and sad times for adults, so imagine how scary they can be for children. They may have lost pets, favorite toys, or even cherished treasures. They may not understand why belongings that were damaged by storms must be thrown out. Even children who did not experience a personal loss— may still be frightened and have trouble coping after a disaster. But we know that children and youth are better able to cope with upsetting news when they understand more about the event. On this episode, we talk with Laura Lee Koziel, FEMA's National Advisor for Children in Disasters, and explore the ways FEMA is helping children prepare for and be ready to recover after natural disasters. All right. I'm so thrilled today to talk to Laura Lee Koziel, who is the National Advisor on Children and Disasters. One of the most unique jobs at FEMA, I think. Uh, Laura Lee, thank you.
1: Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here.
0: Thanks. Uh, this, whether you are a parent, um, an aunt or uncle, a guardian, or even an educator, talking about um, making sure that... Kids feel secure in their safety during times of disaster is is such an important part of the mission that what FEMA does and and really the the mission of being um, a guardian uh, to a young person. Um, disasters, Laura Lee, disasters are scary even for adults. Uh, so let's just dive right into this. Um, you know, what are some of the biggest suggestions that you have or that you would give a parent or guardian when they're approaching the topic of children's um, maybe experiences of disaster, preparing for disasters, or even maybe after a disaster?
1: I think it all starts with having a plan. Uh, Most importantly, having a family communications plan. So knowing how you're going to reach one another um, in the event that you're not together when a disaster happens. Um, Literally putting together a communications plan as a family. So uh, collecting your family's contact information, Identifying out-of-town contacts so that if you can't reach or connect with people who are maybe in your neighborhood or in your same community, um, knowing who, having everybody know who you'll reach out to, so everybody's going to that same person. Gather important uh, phone numbers and addresses, so your your child's school, childcare, doctors, and then when you're doing that, deciding upon a meeting place. So again, where are you going to meet if you're not together and if you can't go back to your home, and including your entire family, including your children in on those preparedness conversations so that everybody has the same information, you're all comfortable with this if and when something were to occur, and memorizing contact information. So many of us rely very heavily on our telephones and our telephone contact list. So for all of us, regardless of how old you are, knowing what those numbers are, if it's even just one phone number um, off the top of your head or having that phone number securely placed someplace so that your children can um, have that information when they need it.
0: I mean, it seems like just sitting th- down at a dinner table and just talking through a scenario would help that conversation along, right?
1: Absolutely. absolutely. So, so if
0: I were sitting there with uh, my kids and my wife and, and I said, hey, you know, like wh- what would happen if... Um, you know God forbid a tornado were to hit our school uh, what would we do where who would we call would we have those numbers where would we go where would we meet up um, mm-hmm. you know, right those are the that's the yes. kind of exercise you need to go through
1: yes and you can make it fun you can talk about what you would put into your emergency preparedness kits or your go bags so you've got games and you've got um, other supplies which we'll talk about uh, shortly but make it fun make it make it challenging for the kids so that it's something that they're not feeling fearful of or feeling anxiety over, but something, you know, make an adventure out of mm-hmm.
0: it. Uh, you know, something that um, I've heard many times, uh, and it always strikes me as interesting that um, to, to know the numbers of those key people that you need to get a hold of in times of emergency, because most of them are programmed on my phone and I... Mm-hmm. I don't know what the actual exactly, number is.
1: Exactly, It's just
0: an amazing piece of advice that seems yeah. just so simple that um, now you have to think about, right?
1: Yep, exactly. Um,
0: so you mentioned that families, you know, kind of, we, we've talked about this theme of they might not be together when a disaster occurs. Um, what more can be done now to help parents and guardians to reconnect quickly um, with their kids if if they're separated? You know, if my kids right. are at school and I'm at work and, you know, maybe my wife is, also at work in another location, you know, how do do we get together?
1: So, I think a really important piece is, we talked about the communications plan um, and the family plan, but know what the evacuation and reunification plans are for your kids, whether they be schools, childcare, uh, maybe a hospital or a juvenile justice facility, but there are approximately 69 million children um, in the United States who go to school or childcare on a daily basis. So when you think about that and you think about you know perhaps a no notice disaster happening, the importance of, of knowing what those uh, facilities are going to be doing. So I mean, that gets down into response and, and vehicles being able to get in to um, help and ensure that everybody is okay. So you want to know that it goes beyond just being able to reconnect with your kids and your families. Um, but when you when you are building your family communications plan, something that we've learned in in previous disasters is identifying where you're going to meet, but also bring a pen and a, a piece of paper with you so that you can write a note. That has happened in the past where families had identified, pre-identified where they would go, but they were not going at the same time. And so they were concerned that their family members or their friends had not um, had not come to meet them. But in reality, everything was fine. They couldn't use their phones because the electricity was down, the internet was down. So small little tricks like that, but, but it goes beyond family uh, preparedness and children and adults being prepared. But also knowing what the plans are for those facilities who so are taking care of your kids during the day.
0: Do you think it helps kids to actually um, like physically walk those plans? You know, absolutely.
1: You yes. Actually experience need-
0: that place. Know where that place yes. is that you're going to meet.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exercising a plan is it's critical.
0: In addition to having the plan, you know, maybe maybe you do get back home, or you have to go mm-hmm. to another location, and we always encourage people to have a kit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are simple supplies that can help them through the first few hours of an event. Um, is there something special that families with young kids should include in their preparedness kit that maybe they wouldn't normally think about? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, I think one of the most important things are age-appropriate supplies. So whether that may be infant formula or baby food, diapers, wipes, electrolytes, especially if it's you're in the heat, but also things like hand sanitizer and antibacterial ointments, perhaps medications, um, be thinking through those things because they may not be readily available. Uh, it's also important to remember that if you are ha- if you use infant formula that you mix with water, you may not be able to use tap water. So. What type of water supply bottled water do you have with you, or perhaps you're going to include uh, pre-mixed formula? And then for nursing mothers, stick with your routine. Don't don't try to use formula if if you normally would breastfeed. Um, that's very important preparedness piece, I think, with pediatricians and and talking with people before a disaster happens.
0: Yeah. One of the tips that, well, I don't know if this is a tip, but one thing that my wife and I learned as we were putting together uh, sort of a kit, if you will, for when our kids were infants going into Mm -hmm. toddler age and we still were in diapers, um, we noticed that you know they they move through diaper sizes so fast yeah. it's it's just kind of crazy how fast they go through um, those sizes so we just bought several sizes ahead you can always you know sort of mm-hmm. tighten the diaper versus you know a situation where you have a much Absolutely, too yes. small of a diaper so it's yeah. like it's 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 thinking through those things cuz you don't want to have to be constantly changing out this kit. you want right. it to be something that's right. simple yeah um, so there's always sort of specific considerations for our kids. You know, we know our kids and so we want to make sure that we're um, you know, really paying attention to their specific needs. Um, but what about parents and guardians? What are the things that they should be thinking about if they have kids with disabilities or access and functional needs?
1: Be thinking about what you may be up against. Is there going to be a lack of electricity? Is there going to be um, a lack of transportation? How how you're going to acquire the services that you would typically um, have on a regular day after a disaster happens. So talking with your doctor or maybe clinics or hospitals, um, but to be, be prepared for a delay in services due to a disaster. Um, including additional items in your, in your kit, such as batteries. You know, We talked a little bit about infant formula, but special dietary foods, extra medicines, maybe even an AC adapter for your car so you can charge different equipment such as a nebulizer. Um, but I think just as important as thinking about what to include in your, in your kit, thinking about all those things that you may need when, when everything is down. Um, because that is not all that unlikely to happen. And we rely so much on electricity and clean water and running water.
0: Mm-hmm. You, know, you talked about transportation needs and sort of inherent in that is understanding if you did need to evacuate to a shelter or mm-hmm. some other location, whether it be a relative or a friend's uh, you know, home, is there anything that parents or guardians should really know about that or should be considering now in their plans, uh, when, specific to evacuation? I mean, we're in the midst of hurricane season. Often we um, we are under evacuation orders along the coast. I mean, there, there's gotta be some specific things for kids. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think the most important thing for folks to remember is when you're evacuating to a shelter, you're not gonna have the privacy of your own home. There There may be a lot of people in very close living quarters to you but the most, most important piece of of all of this, in, in my mind at least, is remembering that you're responsible for the safety of your children, so um, the safety and security. So be with them if they go to the restrooms or if they're moving around, um, just to ensure that you have somebody. Sometimes in a shelter, there will be uh, areas that are set up for kids and they may be learning about disasters or playing games. Um, but, but that piece of it is critical. And then if you are you know earlier we talked about putting a plan together. So also thinking about if a disaster were to happen in your area and you didn't need to go to a, a shelter, congregate shelter, if you're going to um, stay with family or friends, pre-identifying who that is, where that is, writing all of that information into your plan. And then before before the disaster happens, sharing that with your out-of-town contacts so that, again, it's cohesive and everybody knows you know, you're know, you all together as a family or as a unit to understand who's where and, and all of that yeah. good information.
0: So, Laura Lee, we've talked a lot about preparing for the possibility of uh, an emergency or mm-hmm. disaster, whether it's knowing where to go, um, having the communication plan on hand, um, and practicing all of these things. But what happens when families... Um, kids are actually faced with a disaster. How do we help them cope?
1: I think the most important thing is for you as the parent or guardian to understand what is happening um, or what is about to happen, so that you can have an honest conversation with your kids, encourage them to talk, encourage them to ask questions, have the information for them so it, you know what you what you talk to them about is going to be. Uh, limited based upon their age and their coping skills, but but have that conversation because they know that there is something that is happening. Um, you know, give them small tasks that may help them feel like they've got control over a situation or um, if it's before a disaster, adding items into their go bag. So maybe a favorite uh, toy or, or something that's going to help them to sp- to get through that time when they're not, you know,
0: you know, as I've um, had the opportunity to respond to disasters um, working for FEMA, one of the things that I've noticed um, in going to shelters is the uh, really the sense of camaraderie mm-hmm. amongst people and families, particularly mm-hmm. um, the play that goes on between kids of you know similar ages. But the reality of it is um, the time while you're waiting to, to move on to some other type of, um, you know, temporary mm-hmm. housing solution, it can be frankly just pretty boring. Um, and kids obviously don't deal with that. So don't do that, deal with that well. Um, what are some things that you can do if you're faced with this um, situation to help your kids through that?
1: Remembering that you may not be able to use your telephone or electronics. So, so many kids rely on that. So many adults rely on that. But you know ha- again having that go bag and having different items. So, for younger kids, it may be a stuffed animal, it may be crayons and a coloring book, um, you know, paper so that they can draw, or for older older kids and youth, it may be um, having books to read, having a card game or a board game, um, something to write with if they want to journal what's happening. But, be thinking that through. That's such a very good point because you are going to get bored if you don't have something to look forward to to, to pass that time.
0: And bored may be not necessarily the right word, but it does seem like there is a lot of time mm-hmm. that, that needs to pass in order for the incident to pass or mm-hmm. just for um, you know potential housing situations to become available mm-hmm. um, to help out. And I wonder... Um, you know, in the midst of all of this, is there opportunities for older kids to maybe volunteer uh, to be part of that camaraderie? Absolutely.
1: Yes, absolutely. And by doing so, they may feel, you know, the feeling of giving back is a feeling of feeling good. So they're doing something to help somebody. There may be community organizations um, who they can begin talking to at the, as early as the sheltering period about how they might be able to participate to help others. Um, they may be able to do that in the shelter. They may be able to help in handing out food or water or, or something of that sort.
0: So the conversation about preparing kids for the possibility of disaster, it, it seems obvious that parents have a huge part of that, but kids do too. Kids, mm-hmm. kids are part of this conversation. Um, so where can they go to learn more about you know, the types of disasters, but also what to do in those disasters?
1: ready.gov slash kids uh, there's there are a lot of resources there there are um, activity books we have an acti- activity book called uh, preparing with pedro we have a new game ready to help um, that also focuses on what to do in an emergency and those are two uh, different resources for younger kids We have a lot of information about different types of disasters and where they may happen, um, how you can be better prepared for particular types of disasters depending upon where you live. Um, There's a lot of information for parents there as well, helping your children to cope. And then we've opened that up so that... We will even have resources uh, to support emergency managers and schools and teachers and and all of those facilities who take care of your kids during the day.
0: So, Loralee, the holidays are coming up, Mm -hmm. and it seems like this is a great time to be thinking about how to prepare your family, but also what would make a great stocking stuffer for your kids' preparedness kit. Um, So, any tips?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We just talked about uh, Pedro. We talked about... Including games or card games um, in a go kit. Well, why not include those in a in a stocking or or you know something that's fun, something that kids enjoy, that's challenging for them, but they're learning from it. And it's it's games. It's it's oriented towards having a really good time. Ready to help is a lot of fun. Um, you walk away with some really great tips to be better prepared in emergencies and disasters. Um, maybe even thinking about. A favorite, a smaller, you know, stuffed animal or a board game that you can include in your kit. So it's a great opportunity.
0: We welcome your comments and suggestions on this and future episodes. Help us to improve the podcast by rating us and leaving a comment. If you have ideas for future topics, send us an email at FEMA podcast at FEMA.dhs.gov. If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, visit fema.gov slash podcast.